Maybe you should go and do some contemplating. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is Rose Buddies. It's a Bachelor podcast. And, babe. Uh-huh. Let's just lay it all out there. Okay. We lost a dear friend and collaborator uh, on the podcast. Somebody who's just always in the studio with us. Um, making their presence known. Impacting the show. In, in some way or another, but you always know they're there. And I know the listeners, there's a lot of fan art. Um, I'm talking, uh, of course, about the Epson Workforce 520. Um, oh. It's gone. We. I didn't know where you were going with that. Griffin replaced his printer. I replaced our printer. You can use it too, babe, <laughs> to print your documents. But this one is monochrome because I don't fuck with magenta anymore. Cyan, fuck off. Yellow, you're cool. <laughs> um yeah you know the workforce uh, epson workforce 520 it served me well for about three months and then it was a big piece of shit for about four years mm-hmm. and uh it was literally always touching me every time i recorded because i record in a weird little cinderella corner of mm-hmm. my office i don't know why you make me i'm usually over in the feminist corner though that's true we, why, i don't know why we have to be so far away i do it's because of <laughs> audio bleed but yeah what's your favorite workforce 520 memories do you have any um favorite times where oh man i mean more than anything i like the way that it made you contort your body yeah in yeah. order to record now i'll say this 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 printer as far as i can tell is just called brother <laughs> hey brother Hey, brother, and it's no slouch in the size department. It's also quite big. Yeah, I asked Griffin when he purchased this one, I was like, oh, will it be an appropriate size? And you said very confidently that it would. I thought it would be, but um, I will say this about the brother printer, and that is check this shit out. Check this shit out. What's up? Wake up, baby. Come on, baby brother. Get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it comes. Just like that. It worked. What? So it prints. Yeah, baby, it printed. Do you remember how the last one didn't print? That was because you were buying cartridges that were not. I was buying them on fucking G-Bay. It was bad news bears. You were not getting endorsed cartridges. This one prints on both sides at the same time and it scans. Can you read that document to everybody? (laughs) Griffin typed and then printed the word printer. Office supplies, baby. I'm having fun with it. Or did you type a question and the question was, what are you? Yeah. Oh, no, brother knows. Brother was like printer. Brother knows. (laughs) Um, And I know you're wondering, did I do the funny office space joke with the other one? And I said, no, it's bad for the environment, probably. No, we put that out for bulk trash pickup. Because that's what it was. Trash. Fuck you, Epson Workforce 520. I'm glad you're dead. Brother's here to stay. This printer's never going to let me down. What if this was our podcast? Printer <laughs> reviews? Week? Yeah, just printers. I would rather talk about printer reviews than The Bachelor sometimes. Most of the time. This, nowadays. This week was a lot of rich content. Uh, There's a lot of rich content, but still with a lot of stink up on it all over, including that truly 
righteously awful Bachelor in Paradise promo, which yes. we're going to talk about later in the show. Yes. Uh, and also one of the dates was like one of the more exploitative things I've maybe ever seen on a reality television show. Yes. And um, we're going to talk about all of that. But first, let's start off with your friend and mine, Eric. Eric. Bigger, I think is his last name. I think. That's a fucking good last name. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, we are starting in Baltimore. And Eric, when he meets Rachel. Charm City. I remembered. I remembered that one. I got I got called out once because I couldn't. You're like remember. last week with champagne, just like blurting out champagne. Uh, they're in Baltimore. When Eric meets Rachel, he says, "This is the nice part of Baltimore. This is not where I'm from." They also do the little the dance. The dance is so oh, wonderful. The dance. It's their thing. Eric danced when he met her in the after the final rose thing, and then just and like now, every time they see each other, the dance happens, other, and it fills me with light and life and love and energy and warmth and heat i wish we had something like that i know what we have is i um when i pour coffee in the morning back when i used to wake up before you um i would say when did that happen i mean it was a long time and i would pour you a cup of coffee and i'd be like do you want a cup of coffee and you'd say yes please uh every morning for like a hundred (laughs) years and then every time i nowadays it's when i bring uh henry to daycare and i get back you say how do you do as if like the answer to that question is going to change ever. Like he laid perfectly still, and then I set him down on the cushion. So good, I guess. Sometimes he's not happy when you put him down, and I want to know about those times so that you can just feel bad about so it. You can feel bad. Great. <laughs> okay, Baltimore. Those are two things. Yes, please. And I didn't even realize that I had that routine until one day I didn't say yes, please. And, and it freaked me the fuck out. Me yeah. You were so I'm not nervous. kidding. Probably a thousand times, like over or the course of our dating and living together and then being married until you realized it was probably a thousand times of yes, please. And then like, now it just doesn't happen. Isn't that polite though? Isn't that nice that I do that? Yes, absolutely. You're the most polite person ever. Thank you. We're going so slow. You started it. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so Eric Eric has said a little of this before, but he reiterates that Baltimore is a, is a tough city. He says it's one in the top 10 of toughest cities. I did not fact check that. Yeah. Um, but uh, they go from the park where they met to a basketball court near where he grew up. Is this where we meet Ralph? Yes. Uh, I wish I had a Ralph. Somebody who's just boosting me up always. No. Ralph comes out onto the court after they've they've shot a little ball. Yeah. And then they I'm trying to think if I've ever seen you play basketball. I I have one no, I have two basketball stories. Both are middle school. I think that was the last time I ever touched a basketball. Chris and Steph, you have a, a basketball hoop. We should go over there and, and hoop around sometime. I have two traumatic basketball memories oh, in the shit. same two year period. Oh fuck, what happened? One I was playing um basketball with some friends in middle school this is when everyone began to be significantly taller than me and i received the ball and once i gained control of it i looked up and about four people were literally towering over me creating kind of a dome around me uh which was a little traumatic it's allowed though you're allowed to do that you're allowed to make a a human dome Uh, It was the end of the lunch period, and I was walking out of the gym, and I got hit in the head with a basketball. And it hit me so hard, I fell to the ground. Okay, that's pretty bad. And then always the person that wanted to make a joke as to save my embarrassment, I yelled very loudly that I'd been shot. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think that's... those two are bad enough to keep you off basketball for uh, the rest of your living life. It was just one of the, I never knew anybody with a hoop. I did not have Should've a hoop. Should have known me. We had one growing up. Do you find that hard to believe? I do sometimes, but it's true. We had one for a very long time. Well, your brother Justin is called hoops. That is true. No and that doubt. Just, that's for absolutely his not why. Court prowess. So they play basketball and they meet Ralph, and Ralph is Ralph just, has a lot of nice things to say about just Eric. Talking about how nice Eric is and smart he is and how proud yeah. of says that he's a scholar and that he's proud of him and that he's always very positive, um, and. It's kind of like a solid guy that everybody needs to have in their life. I don't know who I would ask to talk me up like that. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I need I need a Ralph in my life. You know what? Justin Minsker is kind of your Ralph. That's true. Justin Minsker is always saying very nice yeah. things about him. He's a very sweet man. Uh, I I wonder if, if Eric doesn't become the next Bachelor, which as a framing device, like... I think this date may have been the most concise yes. sales pitch for the next Bachelor maybe ever. Um... I think I think he'll become like a motivational speaker or something like that. Like I feel like well, I told you about the already a life coach. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. already an inspirational guy. I got an email from some like PR contact uh at Polygon uh to to like my Polygon email account like saying uh and it wasn't written to me, it was like a PR blast like uh repping Eric and like saying like if you want to talk to Eric about his inspirational story and how he channels things into uh, positivity shoot me a shoot me a shoot me in a message and i didn't do it but like i don't know i feel like i feel like dude could be the next I oh would... what's that dude tony robbins oh i think that's unfair to eric it's probably unfair to eric i just couldn't think of another motivational speaker in that <laughs> moment um yeah eric eric tells rachel about how he was always the friend that took care of everyone um and that he learned by example because all the women in his family were very strong and there was this ethic, especially with his mom that, you know, if you can take care of yourself, you don't need anyone. Um, and Eric kind of adopted that. And, uh, Rachel was like, well, you know, well, well, would you let me take care of you? And he's like, no, 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 I know I need that. You know, I know that that's something that I need. Um, and they talk a little bit about her meeting his family. Uh, and which he's never brought a woman home before, which yeah, he says ask, over and over again. They ask Ralph when the last time Eric brought a woman home was, <laughs> and Ralph says prom. Well, he says prom? <laughs> like, even he's not sure if prom was the thing that happened. Um, uh, but Rachel says that she is likely to freak out right before they walk in the door. Because it's specifically the fact that he has never brought a woman right. home that makes her nervous. There's a lot of talk about Eric like finally being ready for love, which is not an uncommon sort of thread yeah, for I contestants guess that he's on this show. He's never been in love before. Yeah, that's sort of his, um, his thing. His his through line throughout this date. Can we please talk about this family? Best fucking all yes. time. So they go to his. Um, Griffin says aunt. I say aunt. All right. Uh, aunt Renee's apartment. And um, they're right in front of the door. Were there multiple aunts? I guess there must have been. I don't, we didn't really get to meet everybody. It was a multi-aunt situation, I think. Um, but they're standing in front of the door, and Eric checks in with Rachel to see how she's doing, and she says she wants to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Jokingly, not like yeah. seriously. And then they walk in, and everybody just kind of bursts into this cheer when they walk in the door. Uh, and she tells us that her nerves went away, went away right, right then. Um, and then they talk about the night they first met, 
uh, and how special that was. And they mentioned the dance. And then everybody, everybody does it. Everybody in that room does an imitation of Eric and Rachel's dance in their little seats. And it's just the best. I yelped in a manner where I was like, I, I was know. certain that we woke up our baby because I, I was, was so fucking so excited. excited. That moment where all of them are dancing. The literal exact same like dance that Eric and Rachel do oh, every time they see so each other. It was so good. And then awesome. Rachel and Eric do it too. And it's just this moment of unity. Um, can we please talk about Aunt Verna, please? Is all I, Aunt Verna, I mean. Yeah. So did you see the the scoop on her? No. She is actually like a professional speaker. Uh, she has given right. a TED Talk before. Okay. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Um, Aunt Verna is the fucking best. She's uh, incredible. She pulls Rachel aside and also like sings Eric's praises for a while. Um, and is the most like, it's good that you've told me that she's a professional speaker because yeah. I could not look away from her as she yeah. was talking. And really a lot of the conversation that they had was like the same conversations that all these hometowns like kind of boil down to. Um, uh, but then she says, let's bring up the R-A-C-E word race. Uh, and they start uh, again, kind of in the way, I, I think this is maybe a little bit more directly than like, uh, this show has shown like Rachel or anybody uh, talking about it. Um, but Rachel talks about like in, in a roundabout way, like it's weird how the show doesn't like exactly show it or maybe like nobody's exactly saying it. But I feel like the undercurrent is, are you having a difficult time with the uh, perception of who you send home and who you keep Um and whether or not race is a factor yeah. in those decisions. Yeah, it seems like her and Verna are so on the same page that they're almost kind of finishing each other's sentences because Rachel talks about how she's being judged by two different groups, uh, which I'm assuming is the African-American community yeah. and the white community. Um, well, I think she says, and everybody else. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then the question comes up of kind of how are you approaching this uh, and without Rachel, explicitly saying like what this this means exactly, yeah. um, but in Rachel's answer, she was completely crystal clear about like what That's her incredible. I don't know if she'd thought about it before. I mean, she probably prepared. She definitely had yeah for that question. But um, she said, um, you know, I'm just going to send home who I want to send home, like any other bachelorette. I don't. Yeah, think she says love. I have to. Be, I have to be selfish to get what I really want, um, which is love. Um, my journey shouldn't be different from the twelve other bachelorettes. And it's like, okay, I think that, uh, there's a conversation I think even you and I haven't really had of like, Eric is the only black man left on the show in a season where there were the most uh, men of color that have yeah. ever been on the season. Uh, Brian is Colombian um, and the other two dudes left, Dean and Peter are both white. Um, but that, I, 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 I think there was a week um, like one of those huge weeks where like six people went home where it was just like, okay, Eric is the only black man left in a season that like started out with, um, I want to say like 11, I don't remember the exact yeah, number. It was the week where Kenny and Will went home. Yeah. And I think correctly. I, I, I know there were a lot of people, especially in like the, there were a lot of conversations happening in the Rose Buddies group of people being like really disappointed, right? Like this is now there's just one black man left in a season where there were the most that there have, yeah. that there have ever been. And that's like kind of disappointing, but at the same time, like um, 
you you have to like respect Rachel's exactly. agency in 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 how she um you know finds a finds a literal husband um yeah I, I I don't know I think that's like kind of a tricky balance to walk and I think Rachel's answer here was just like crystal clear like I'm not going to it's unfair for me to have to do this differently yeah. than any of the other women who have ever played this role before like the show has been uh, and I. I I keep placing it at the feet of the show. There was that one episode where uh, the Lee stuff was still going on and Rachel was like in tears and there was like the producer caption saying like, what do you want to do? And Rachel, you know, we finally get to see Rachel talking about like, this is really hard being a black woman and and, and doing this. And that yeah. was right before the rose ceremony where she had to keep Lee. Um, I, I feel like... This is this is a conversation that like I want to fucking really see this show get into, and I think um, maybe the reason I like Aunt Verna so much is like it, this conversation finally happened while she was yeah, talking. Yeah, she to just Rachel. got to it. Yeah, she just 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 went to it in a way that felt comfortable and like a like a safe conversation to have. Um, and Rachel just was ready. I mean, you could tell that it's not Rachel that's been avoiding this conversation. Uh, so she then talks to Eric's mom. It goes really well. Um, the, his mom also talks to Eric. Um, and she says that she wants a lot for him and that there's been a lot of great men in his family. Um, and they've been kind of tied to their mothers, uh, and that he wants, or that she wants more for him. Right. This this conversation was about, if you remember from their one-on-one date at the uh, amusement park, I think. Yeah. Uh, he talked about how, like, he didn't get, he didn't get love from his mom growing up. And so that made him uh, have difficulty in, like, establishing strong yeah, connections. Yeah, I forgot about that yeah. this whole episode. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, this is, this was the subtext for what they were talking about. And this, this was what she was explaining. Like, the reason that I didn't, uh, I wasn't, you know, extremely affectionate towards you uh, growing up is because like there were just a lot of dudes in our family who were like too attached to their moms and yeah. I didn't want that for you. And so, um, and, and so that's why I sort of kept you at arm's length like I did, but now I understand. And, and they also reference like conversations that they've had about this in the past. So this is yeah. not some, we will talk later about another sort of f- f- like family rift that is that, that has gone kind of completely unexplored. But it sounds like this one is one that like as Eric has become an adult, they have like talked about. Yeah. And so Eric's mom tells us that um, she believes Rachel has brought out the love that he's tried to keep inside. Uh, she kind of confirms Eric's story uh, that he has always been very careful about uh, giving out love and, and getting attached and making himself vulnerable. And she kind of confirms that, that this is a new thing that she's seen in him. Uh, and Rachel tells Eric's mom that uh, she likes that he challenges her. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of. They've kind of suggested that more of it has happened than we have seen. I mean, I'm, I, I, I think he does in the sense that, like, you compare him to like the dudes who are just like straight up oh, yeah. flatterers, like He's fucking no Brian. Uh, Brian, yeah, Brian's not the only one who does it, but just like I'm a fucking bachelorette ass contestant, and I'm yeah. here to like go for the gold and drop as many lines on you as I possibly can. And Eric has been explicitly not that the whole time. Yeah, and so like I think yeah, I think that's challenging, but I also think it's like 
pretty real. Eric is very substance oriented. That's something I've noticed in his conversations with her. And it's actually something that comes out later. Actually, that's, that's a good transition. So he's talking to his dad later and he starts talking about Rachel and he says, you know, she grew up very structured. She couldn't watch PG-13 movies. Her parents have been married 37 years. She went to church every Sunday. Yeah. And he just says these facts about her. And Griffin and I both turn to each other like, he knows a lot about her. Yeah. And I know more about it. That's the other kind of shitty thing is like, I feel like I haven't really gotten to know Rachel a whole lot better yeah. during this season, which is like, I don't know, maybe that's true for all bachelors and it's, bachelorettes. It, it, is. it honestly is. Um, But I was like, I was blown away. I was like, that's some, you don't get much time with the lead. You just straight up don't. Across the, if you stay and you're in the final two, um, maybe maybe I guess fantasy suites counts as like a significant amount of time. But before that, like you do not get much time. And for Eric to like know stuff about her like that, like I was very, very, very impressed and made made me uh, sort of like believe in Eric a little bit more than I yeah. already did, which was a lot. Uh, so they all sit down for a meal um, and Eric toasts to his family members and the other people that are there that day. Uh, and and thanks them for helping him uh, be the person he is and be able to attract a lady like Rachel in his life. It was very sweet. It was very sweet. Um, as is standard with Hometown Week, it's your last chance to see The Bachelorette for a while because she's going to be jetting to other hometowns. So the pressure is on to say that you love her. Or else you're going to get luked right the fuck out. Yeah. So uh, Eric, who has never been in love before, uh said that, you know, I realize, you know, that I really love this girl. And let me tell you what that means. I really care about you. Um, and Rachel, after is telling the camera, you know, he didn't exactly say it. Um, oh, come on. Which I thought, I, maybe she'd been pushed. But even in the fucking, like, there's, there. I want a linguist to, like, break down the <laughs> infinite different ways that people like rank saying I love you on this yeah. show from like I'm f I'm a, I'm beginning my first steps on the road to f <laughs> I can see the the exit on the highway to love I can love see you. myself eventually one day potentially falling for you and then it's like I'm falling for you and then it's like I'm done falling for you <laughs> I have fallen I've started to be almost in love with you halfway. it's like a it's like a verb conjugation yeah i will fall i have fallen um yeah uh and so now we're on to brian in miami in, in miami yeah mm -hmm. can i say something about the i don't know that much about miami uh, party in the city when the heat, the heat is, on? is on yes all night on the beach till the break of dawn yes i'm mm -hmm. not comfortable with the fact that that's like <laughs> <laughs> it's our only touch yeah. point i will say like I, I don't know. I feel like folks know that, like, I'm not the biggest Brian fan because I feel like he's uh, just the, like, quintessential, like, gamesman of this show of just, I mean, like, I'm just... here for the lines and I'm here for the, I'm here for the, like, just drop and pick up lines and flattery and all that stuff. Um, but, but what I will say about this date is, like, I feel like I finally started to learn a little bit about Brian. Yeah. That's all I want. Like, I swear to God, like, I just want, like, a conversation that doesn't last, like, five seconds of him talking about himself before he, like, jujitsu flips it into like complimenting her in some way uh so the date starts out with them uh sitting down and playing dominoes with some old men that domino place looked fucking sick 
Yeah. It did. It looked great. It was like a big domino park with like tables and the tables had little domino racks built into them and the old men were there and they were just like having so a great time. you liked that there were tables and old men and domino racks. Yeah. You know how you see like Searching for Bobby Fisher, like you go to the park and like they're mm-hmm. playing chess and like yeah. also in that one scene in Independence Day where Jeff Goldblum meets yeah. his dad and they're playing chess in the park and they have yeah. the little tables with the chess boards in them there at the park. That's cool. It's cool. I've never seen that in real life before. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Every time I see that scene in Independence Day, I think like, well, one, wow, Jeff Goldblum looks really handsome today. And then two, like, I'd love to play chess in the park with a stranger sometime. Learn something from him. Mm. Okay. Well, maybe maybe I'll make that happen for, for Christmas. I mean, it's 100 degrees right now. I don't want to go outside. <laughs> uh, so this is where we get to see Brian speak um, really comfortable conversational Spanish. Yeah. Uh, with these older men. Uh, and Rachel said, Rachel speaks up at one point and she says like, did, did they ask if I'm your girlfriend? And he's like, oh no, no, we haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> yeah, she just kind of sits there while they talk about what is happening. And those old men insult them because they beat them so, so badly at dominoes, I guess. Yeah, uh, this is where we learn about um, them being called poyonas, which is like a chicken like slang. I guess that's like a, 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 a Domino's based drag <laughs> yeah. that you can lay down sometime. Uh, so this is when they go to the 8th Street Kyocho area uh, and eat arepas. And those look good as hell. They do look very good. And then they, they try on um, Miami hats, or at least Rachel does. They dance a little salsa dance in a like a an open venue and then they sit down at this same venue and Brian talks a little bit about his family. And said so his dad is Joe, and he is charismatic and soft-spoken and charming, and that his mom is the opposite. He says, they say a fireball? He says that opposites attract with my parents, and my mom is a fireball, and she's sensitive. Uh, which, to say that your dad is charismatic and charming, and then to say your mom is the opposite. But it's charismatic. That's like not, yeah, my, my dad's not sensitive. He's not a fireball. Uh, um, okay. So. so just a backstory also, because last time they talked, like, the again, one of the only few, like, conversations where we got to learn more about Brian, he talked about how he had an ex, and they went to a wedding together, I believe in Columbia. We talked about this last week. We did, but just to sort of set the stage for this conversation, uh, things went really bad between his ex and his mom, and it sort of drove his ex away. And so... Yeah, and Rachel asked about that again, uh, and he says that it wasn't really the fault of his family. It, he implies that it was more the fault of his ex that things didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, and then before they leave this setting and go home, Brian says, I just want to continue to make you smile. It's something I'm kind of obsessed with. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Rachel kind of, again, kind of calls him on it a little bit and says, you say all the right things. She never. She says it, she says it in like a voice where I think like, this has to be frustrating a little bit, right? Yeah. She's like, oh, Brian, you always say all the right things. And I don't know if she's saying it like that in like an endearing way or like, I would be getting f- kind of fucking annoyed at this point with it a little too. bit. Like at what point do you say like, all right, hey, <laughs> what don't you like about me? Like tell me something. Or you know, like those job interview questions where it's like. Yeah, I'm too what's, passionate. Yeah, what's your worst quality? It's like, oh, I work too hard. Yeah, I'm too passionate. It scares me. <laughs> 
I'd be straight up like IBS dog. I'm gonna be in the bathroom every hour on the hour. You're gonna lose a lot of. I'm gonna do a lot of time theft in there. Straight up, half the time it will be IBS related. The other times it's because I'm playing Tap Titans. Straight up, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna waste a lot of your time in the can. Sorry. We uh we bought our house actually because the bathroom was directly across it's from Griffin's office. Literally four feet as the crow flies. You I could, could actually, jump. I could jump from my office chair and land on the toilet. You could stay on a conference call from the bathroom, probably. Like I haven't done that <laughs> weekly, dog. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Griffin's coworkers. This is where she meets the family. Yes. Uh, they get to the house. Uh, um, this is where Olga kind of sets the stage. Brian's mom, Olga. And says, Brian's my life. Any woman that separated him from me, that would be terrible. She's telling this to us, but it's still pretty intense. She doesn't lock that part of her conversation up to just the in the moment behind the scenes interviews, though. Yeah. Some of that uh, does come out when she's talking to her child and his his beloved. Yeah. Uh, she's talking to her son and Brian says that he thinks Rachel's the one. Uh, and she says, you've gone out with so many girls. And then you go on this show and you fall in love. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, okay, let's couch it. Okay. This show is buck wild. It's yes. a buck wild way to get a fiance. And I get that. Yes. And so like, um, I, I think we'll probably end up talking about this on Peter's section too, because Peter's just a little bit hesitant about this whole idea. Um, that's not what I found like disconcerting about this. What I did was like, he's my, he's my, he's my life. And um, anyone who tries to get in between me and him, that would be terrible. And it's like, he's 39. Like that's pretty old to still be like that protective. I feel like. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know that I want to get into it. It was just like there was a lot of stuff like that where I was just like I couldn't help but think like he's almost forty and that's kind of a that's a lot to lay down on somebody that he's dating. Yeah, I think I imagine that a lot of mothers feel that way, um, but I think most would recognize that that is an unfair and unrealistic way to approach your child's relationship. Especially when you're on fucking national television giving a fucking shovel talk to the bachelorette. Like, what are you doing? What is a shovel talk? It's a, it's a like, if you hurt him, I'll kill you. Oh. Your shovel talk. Um, yeah, like, like my grandma gave to you. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she definitely, she did a few, pretty much a the first times. like few times yeah. that I, I met her. She laid that one down. Yeah. Because Griffin comes across as a real bruiser. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm a heartbreaker. Um, so then, um, and this is difficult for me. I feel like in the past with hometowns, we get introduced to everybody in the room. This time we did not. So there is a woman that Rachel talks to next that might be his sister. I think it was his sister, yeah. I'm not 100%. Uh, but she reiterates that the demise, and she uses the word demise, <laughs> of Brian's ex was that she wanted him all to herself and that she didn't want to be part of the family. I'm just not thinking about it. It's kind of wild that we got these two dates back to back where Eric's mom like explicitly says, like, I saw men in our family be too attached to 
women and their mothers. And so like I took a hands-off approach in mothering you to like uh, my my forty year old son is my whole is my whole life, and I'm going to tell his girlfriend that uh, if she ever hurts him, I'll kill her. Yeah, it's wild that those two happen back to back. I'm sure that wasn't by accident. Yeah, I don't think of Eric and um, Brian as particular opposites, but maybe in some ways they are. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh so uh, Rachel tells. Brian's mom that she loved his confidence and how direct he has been. Um, And this is where the mom reiterates directly to Rachel that Brian is her life uh, and that uh, she should know that you're marrying the family too. Uh, And that some men uh, or some women only want the man for themselves. Uh, But Rachel should know that she will be part of the family and rachel says yeah i know and i would want him to be part of my family too at which point the mom does not say (laughs) so much respond to that one uh but the mom tells us that she could see in rachel's eyes that she was a good person and that she'd be happy if brian chose her uh and the mom says that brian is the love of her life uh which was a lot uh and then she says something about how when she dies what was this oh man Something like I I would die. Happy. I would die happy knowing that like he is with a like a a partner who's going to take care of him like I did. Oh man, it's so it's very very much. I'm happy that they have a good relationship, right? But like, I have known show or I have known families like this on reality television. I have never known a family like this in real life. Yeah, that that follows this this kind of intensity when they meet the partner. Of their child. It's a whole lot. Yes. Um, is that it for that date? Uh, oh, I guess that they, they Yeah, Brian they does say that. that he's in love with her. Uh, and Rachel tells us that she believes it went well, uh, that she got more from Brian, and that hearing that he was in love with her was kind of above and beyond. And she says that uh, she's letting herself feel all the feels. She's super into Brian. I think Brian's. She is. I still don't think Brian's gonna win. I don't but I, get it. I do. Like she has fun with Brian, and it seems like they have a connection. And we don't know what we don't see. And maybe Brian isn't so much performing for her with all these pickup lines as much as he's performing for the camera, or like it could be any number of things. But like she's obviously like very into him, and they have obviously a very strong physical connection. Yeah. And so like I don't know. I feel weird saying like I don't get why she's into him yeah. because that's like that's between her no, and and I him. Know. It's just like I I my main frustration comes from the fact that like every conversation we see with this dude is completely insubstantial because it just boils down to like (laughs) yeah anyway you're so pretty let's talk about how pretty you are it's the lack of vulnerability i feel like with brian i feel like with eric and peter and dean we learn a little bit about them that makes them more lovable and i just i don't know enough about brian to love him yeah it's true peter well before we talk about peter can you think that i maybe can make yeah could maybe steal you away uh yes. Babe, no, babe, no, babe. <laughs> yes, you can still be away. Baby, 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 baby. Who's our sponsors this time? Uh, it's Thrive Market. Oh fuck yeah! 
love Thrive Market. They reach for the stars. Thrive Market is a online organic grocery option. Uh, should you prefer to purchase whole food style products at a Costco price? Is that, did you make that up or is that in the? No, that's part of the copy. <laughs> I was going to say, that's good, babe. <laughs> no. uh, you pay just, I got chills. You pay just $60 a year to get things like healthy snacks, supplements, and foods to stock your pantry at 25 to 50% less than even the discount stores. Uh, Thrive guarantees you'll save more than your membership fee in your first two orders. Uh, but because you're a Rose Buddies listener. Oh, I thought you were just like, we're saying but. And, and then I was stupid. <laughs> uh, you can test drive it for free for 30 days and get an extra 20% off at thrivemarket.com slash Rose Buddies. Uh, I went there. I've mentioned this before. And you can organize and sort your uh, product choices by your diet. So if you're paleo or gluten-free, you can choose to only see products that meet your dietary needs. Uh, so that's, that's an extra 20% off at thrivemarket.com slash Rose Buddies. So go right now to thrivemarket.com slash Rose Buddies. I have a message here, and it is more of a request for you, my friends. I want you to search for the Puffin Publishing Podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and subscribe because, and I'll tell you why, and it's important that you listen to me very closely. Your life may depend on it. The Puffin Publishing Podcast is the show most capable of ruining bookstores for you forever. It's a hilarious monthly podcast brought to you in bright, digestible chunks with a smile. The Puffin Boys is that's good <laughs> that is good the puffin boys are veteran improvisers and they're bringing their singular and they solve mysteries and they solve murders <laughs> uh, and they're bringing their singular murder solving gifts for giving strange characters life directly to you uh, you don't need to know anything about books to enjoy the puff pud pod in fact <laughs> it's probably best if you can't read it all peter piper picked a peck of puff pod pod pub Oof. Uh, i've got another message here this message is for Zila. It is from Deloren. I apologize if I didn't say those correctly. Happy birthday season. Since me and you. I don't think season is a fun name for them. I think they're saying happy birthday season, like the season of their birthday. Well, I know. I figured, but I don't know how to emphasize that appropriately. Happy birthday season. Happy birthday season. Yeah, I don't know. See? Yeah, it's tough. It's a tricky one. Happy birthday season. Since meeting you, I have been the happiest kitty, even more than the love I have for you, for your constant support and kindness is my respect for you. Watching you build your own business, how you've helped so many of your students has been my inspiration and you my muse. Thank you, Griffin, for sharing these words. Gosh, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> I knew it real quick. Happy birthday since meeting you, I've been the happiest kid in the minute. More than one love for you is constant support and kindness and respect for you. And watching you build a business, how you've helped me since been my inspiration. You my muse. Thank you, Griffin, for sharing these words. Gotta know if this is an actual cat or not. Gotta know if this is a cat that learned how to type on a keyboard. And here's why it's wonderful to think about. You think they just bat at the mouse the whole time? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. That's they cute. don't even know where the home row keys are. Uh, They're probably trying to get the little crumbs out of the keyboard, but they can't because uh, they keep batting at the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, oh, Jesus. You want to talk about Peter's date? Yeah. 
Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. We're in Madison, Wisconsin. No, we're not. We're in Austin. Who is this character? I don't know, but he's full of piss. I would have said beans. He seems full of beans to me. Piss and vinegar. And beans. And beans. It's a gross stew. <laughs> uh, so this is where Griffin took notes. So oh, don't put me on blast like this. <laughs> well, I just I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to these, and and you may have to help me. Okay. Uh, so Peter tells us that he is definitely falling for Rachel. He's on the road. Uh, on the they, first rung of the ladder, the love ladder. They are going to a big farmer's market, uh, which I guess is a, a weekend thing in Madison. Yeah, at this point, like it kind of feels like Rachel is house shopping a little bit because she's like, oh, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's a farmer's market. I come here every Saturday. She's like, I love farmer's market. We could come here every Saturday. And it's like, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, she tells us, though, that she's concerned that Peter is not ready uh, because he said... And we talked about this a little bit last time. Um, he said that if he were to propose, it would be because he was ready. Yeah, he says like, he's on the fence about whether or not he's going to propose at the end of this, which I think is like the most clear signal of like, yeah, I'm going to win. The question is, am I going to propose also? Or are we just going to be boy, boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend at the end of this? Which has, is, it has happened um, before where they get to the end of the season and they do not get engaged they're just like hey we've known each other six hours let's date because i actually do like you i'm a big proponent of that like i do not think that that is that wild a request yeah but they stage it in such a way that if you don't propose no i know it looks super shitty yeah to me though it feels more real because of how many like broken engagements have come out of this thing just to say like i really do like you and i think we should live together and date and then and then get married someday. Yeah, but I mean, couldn't you just give him the ring anyway? <laughs> and just say like I feel very good right now. Here's Maybe, a ring. Maybe but the, pr- the the pressure that comes with that of like in the after the final rose of just like yeah, y'all got a date yet? Like get true. off my fucking jock, dad. <laughs> okay, so after the farmers market, Peter takes Rachel to meet his friends at a bar. And again, he's like very much setting it up like, this is a bar I come to all the time. She's like, it's not, the whole time I just felt like it was like, this is where we'll be going if we live in Madison. Yeah. And his friends kind of start out immediately giving him a hard time um, because she says right away uh, how Peter had told her that he has mostly black friends. Uh, and they were like, oh, did did you get a card for that? Do you have a card that yeah. says that you have black friends? Where's your friends black friend on? card? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then he's like, well, I'm going to pull the guys away for some guy time. Yeah. And I was like, are they making him say that? Or I hope that so. real Peter? Because that's uncomfortable. I'm going to leave you with the, they were they were together with, I guess they were couples, but or maybe there was just a couple of his other, uh, other friends who were women. 
And he's like, I'm going to steal the guys away and leave you with these total strangers. See ya. That's how it works on these hometowns. Yeah, Um, I guess so. But the guys are are very encouraging and say that she seems really genuine. Uh, And they tell him to uh, not F it up. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) They say the word. They don't say F. Sometimes it feels right to me and sometimes it doesn't. No, I agree. It would have been weird for you to say it in this moment. I have to to be amped up. Our baby just woke up, and I think Rachel's a little bit stressed out. And I, I, I don't know, maybe this is a circumstance where you would want to say it. No. No, not yet. We'll let you know. No, I have to be, um, well, you know. Real peeved. I have to be jacked jacked up. Jacked and peeved. Yeah. It's my favorite T-Pain song. <laughs> jacked and peeved. Did you ever see the, the adventures of Peeve and Peeve? All right. Let's, we gotta go. We're so we have so much more to fucking talk about. Uh, so now we are meeting Peter's family, and that's his mom and his dad and his brother and his brother's wife and their kids. And Peter tells the story of their first date and how he grabbed her butt, which I don't remember. Oh yeah, I think you were doing something. This is why I was taking notes. But um, yeah, he was telling a story about how, like, on their first date, he went in for a big hug, and he just got, I guess, a big old, um, you know, fistful of cheek. Big old hunk of that Wisconsin cheese. And well, no, he grabbed her butt, and so I know. But in Wisconsin, they call butts cheese. <laughs> That's awful. Why do they do that? Um, but they laugh that off. Uh, and this is where Peter starts playing with his uh, his brother's kids and Rachel immediately like kind of swoons because Peter's just being a real good unky, just yeah. a real tight unky. Peter's sister-in-law says uh, that she thinks Peter is ready for marriage, but that something's been holding him back. And then Peter tells his mom that he thinks he's ready to propose. Yeah, he's I mean, again, like this is the thread of this date. And I don't think we're gonna spend much time talking about this one, because it really was just them hammering this one thing over and over again. It's just like, is he ready? Will he propose or won't he propose? Um, but he tells his mom that like, he thinks he's ready. Uh, but he's not 100% sure. Rachel about it. asks Peter's mom if he is emotionally ready. And the mom says that he's ready for a family and he can commit, but maybe not a proposal. They're they're giving the editors just enough footage to like cut together a package of like maybe Peter won't win. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the date, where the other men have kind of laid it on the line as far as their feelings for Rachel, Peter just says, uh, "You got along so well with my friends, and it made me very hopeful. And now with my family, uh, it just affirms, you know, how I feel about you, and I'm just very happy." And Rachel says, "I'm very happy too." And then it's kind of left there. There's a little bit of funk. Like there's no love mentioned. Um, And Peter tells us that in order to take that next step, he doesn't know what it's going to take, but he's not there yet. Yeah. Dean. This, by the way, happens every single time. This like... I really feel like this happens every single time. Somebody doesn't say I love you and they're like, they feel weird about it. Yeah. Um, Dean's date. Okay. So let's, let's set some parameters, I guess. Uh, Dean, just like backstory, Dean's mom uh, passed away a little over 10 years ago when Dean was 15. And this is something that he talked about on, on their last date. Um, and it kind of sent a rift down their family and that he felt like his dad, which, the word he used to describe his dad was he's he became sort of eccentric after his mom passed away, uh, did not really step in in that like 
um, nurturing role that his mom filled um, and that it kind of like sent a riff through the family and that he hasn't talked to his dad for a while. Um, and we got like a teaser that made us both kind of worried because it showed his dad um, and he uh, has converted to Sikhism and like has a turban and a big beard um and like i was really worried that the show was going to play this up like uh, look at this wacky dude um which like this whole bit made me so fucking uncomfortable like the entire time i could not believe that we were seeing these things unfold like i felt like we should not be seeing them like this should be a private thing that this show has made like public and is selling fucking downy commercials against um which made me really uncomfortable Uh, i think to like before we get into it, I wanted to talk about Dean's Instagram post that he did. Um, yeah. And during the weekend, um, he says uh, over a picture of him just leaning up against an old wooden fence, looking very pensive and handsome. Uh, he says, I'm asking for a favor. When I said my father was eccentric, I was not referring to his Sikh faith uh, or the turban he wears on his head. I'm not asking you to spare his feelings or mine, but instead be cognizant and accepting of the millions of people that belong to the Sikh community. Although he and I are not close, I respect my father's decision to follow his heart and pursue the life he has chosen. Let us not criticize him for his appearance or his beliefs, because by doing so, we are disparaging an entire faith and culture that includes millions of people. And I know we are all better than that. That is all for now. Hashtag in rant. Happy Saturday, people. Oh, Dean. He comes at you at the end, and it's like he's got like a a genuinely like very um, cool and like sensitive uh, preface for this episode. I feel like in this, this might be, I don't know, I'm not meaning to make this sound patronizing, but I feel like we've watched Dean grow up a lot. Maybe. And that's, I mean, straight up, we had our introduction to Dean was the after the final rose, I'm going to go black and never go back thing. Um, and that was rough and I feel like it, it cast Dean in a pretty negative light and we were certainly very critical of him and sort of not willing to let that go. And now he's like, I don't know, he's uh, stuff like this. It shows like a, I, I do think it shows like a certain level of, uh, maturity yeah. beyond his 25. I think actually he's turned 26 during the show yeah. years. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the framing for, for this. And like his dad seemed like not a great dude. Um, or at least not a great like dad necessarily. Like he, even in this, this episode of television that he got one quarter of dedicated to his like family life. Like he seemed like sort of a manipulative dude a little bit and like it i feel like it corroborated this picture that dean sort of painted and so we're going to be like critical of him and i i really hope that you all know that that is not a read on his his faith or um or you know the faith at large no yeah and and i think um well i think dean comes across as very relatable in this episode and it only kind of highlights the differences between him and his dad as far as his dad's approach to these conversations they have sure you you can just tell that the dean is is bringing a lot of strength to the conversation i also want to reiterate like this felt really exploitative and gross and ultimately i feel like shouldn't Dean and his family should not have been subjected to this in a way. Um, and that is my over overriding sort of response to this. I will also say like, it was one of the more like, um, 
it was one of the more like real things I've ever seen, not just on this show, but any reality show, like the dynamics of a family that goes through a loss like this and how that, how that can impact a, a family. Like, again, like that's a very, very private thing. It should be a very, very private thing. And there were conversations happening here that I feel like should be, should be private, but like, and this was not my situation at all. When, when my mom passed away, like at, at all, but like, it's certainly like there were shades of like conversations that we had to have to like iron out, like, okay, this is how it's got to be from now on. Um, and I don't know. It was, it, I've never, I've never really seen anything like that on, on a reality television show before. And so like this, this really, this really resonated with me. Um, and I say that at the same time, also thinking like they really should have, this really should have been something that they talked about before the fucking cameras and everything were there. I don't think that this was a play act. I, I, it really, really, really felt like Dean was confronting his dad about being absent after the death of his mom on the fucking bachelorette. Like it was, yeah. it was, it was very, very tough. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just kind of amazing, I guess. Um, usually when people are on shows like this and they have this kind of confrontation with a family member, there's a certain performative quality to it that comes from just being on camera. That was not this, this, that was this, not this. this, this was Dean like, on the on the verge of tears talking to his dad who was trying to just like brush it all under the rug for yeah. i feel like we've been prefacing this day for okay. like let's get 10 into minutes it. but yeah uh so R- rachel and dean um before this family moment happens they ride atvs because they are in aspen colorado and it is it is beautiful that's so nice um and rachel tells us that dean is what she likes to refer to as her uh, beautiful surprise. He's all our beautiful surprises. Uh, and she says that they think a lot alike, that the more time she spends with them, the more that she realizes that there's a lot of similarities between them. Uh, and and Rachel says, if I'm able to meet all his family members today, it will be the first time they've all been in the same household in eight years. Uh, and that um, Dean hasn't talked to his dad in particular in two years. And so she asks him about that uh, and says, um, why haven't you talked to him in two years? And he says, I don't know. Is it my responsibility um, to make sure that happens? And she says, well, have you tried? And he says, not, not really. Um, if he wasn't there when I needed him, I don't really see why it has to be me. Um, I get why she was like, talking to him about this it yeah, also felt it, it, it felt like the prequel to like the the exploitation a little well, bit well yeah she says have you ever said to him that he wasn't there when you needed him and he says no and she says well maybe you should um he also kind of sets up for Rachel kind of what she's walking into you know says that you're going to meet my brothers and my sister uh, and you're going to meet my dad, who has changed his name. Yeah, his name is Paramroop. And uh, it means divinely beautiful. He says it means divinely beautiful. And the fact that he gave himself that name tells you a lot about my dad. <laughs> and his wife. Uh, who is also a converted um, Sikh. And um, Dean says that he's actually only met his dad's wife twice before. 
Um, I didn't catch that part. Yeah. And that, wow. Yeah. Wow, that adds a lot to the evening. Yeah, well, if he's only seen him. Yeah, I guess that's true. Or, yeah. You know, he hasn't seen him in the past two years. Dean tells us, you know, that there's a certain level of fear that comes along with this, which we can all feel at this point. Yeah. Um, and as they're walking up towards the house, Dean says, this is not a good indication of who I am. And then he says, this is going to be awful. And she says, no, this is going to be fine. Um, she says, I'm going to be there the whole yeah. the whole way. She's like trying to let him know, like, you're not alone. We're doing this together. Uh, and Dean walks in and you can tell, I mean, this is a man who has not seen his father in two years. He looks around and he's like, where's the table? Like he walks in and he is like genuinely surprised to There's see. There's no table in the room. Yeah. yeah. He seems, they all, they all seem like pretty awkward yeah uh and not in the like oh we're on tv way but in the like oh we're on tv and we need to pretend like everything's cool yeah so they they're all um the whole family including rachel are on the floor um and dean's dad gets out a gong and asks them all to point their head towards the gong and talks about kind of the the calming um impact of the gong it you can tell that dean is kind of uncomfortable dean is just eyes open the he, whole time just like rigid as a board he tells us he says i'm suppressing every emotion um it's a lot for him yeah to bring somebody that he cares about into this environment where he feels like so also kind of a stranger yeah. right like that's yeah. that's the thing like it's not like i'm i he, I imagine at this point he can't tell Rachel a lot of stuff about his his dad as he knows him now. And like that alone has got to make this whole thing so fucking uncomfortable. And then how do you have a conversation with your dad about like, yeah, so let me tell you about Rachel that doesn't have the specter of like the rest of the shit going on cast yeah. over it. I just like, I know that the Dean's circumstances is unique in a lot of ways, but there's something so relatable uh, that you don't see a lot on these hometowns where somebody is like, hey, I have this family. Obviously, I love them very much. Um, I don't feel connected to them necessarily in the way that maybe a lot of people do. And I don't know how to introduce you to them and feel comfortable and feel like this is representative. You know, yeah. there was something about that moment that just felt like, yeah, this is a lot of people's experience. Um, although Dean's again is, is you can tell very, very painful for him. So Rachel, Rachel is, is kind of being a good sport. She says, you know, Dean's family is not a typical family, but everybody's been very welcoming. Um, Dean's dad actually gives her a gift uh, and gives, I think, multiple, if not everybody. Yeah, it was uh, feathers. She said that, he's, yeah. he said that before my wife passed, she said that feathers would be her her sign, her signal. Um, and so I wanted to give these to you as a blessing. Um, yeah, he says some very nice things about her and that they were married for 27 years. His current wife, when... Dean's dad gets kind of emotional, says, you know, he doesn't cry. So this is very unique. Yeah. Uh, and Rachel really appreciate that. She says, I love symbolic things. And I love that he incorporated something with the past and the present. It was, it was a very sweet, it was a really sweet gesture. Right. And I feel like everything like they made, um, they made dinner for them. Um, a, some sort of vegetarian dish, uh, that Dean didn't eat. He said he ate ahead of time and that, oh man, that really gut punched me. 
you ate ahead of time of your fucking hometown date on television like all right um but everything up to this point like you couldn't exactly see the stuff dean was talking about and i feel like it's because like everybody and especially dean's dad was like trying to put on this like it's all cool here yeah front and i here's what i here's what i think about that i don't think that was necessarily for tv like i feel like that's I feel like that's been the standard operating procedure there. Like yeah. that's, that is really, it felt like the subtext of this whole thing was this is how this family has like tried to carry on and stay together um, without like confronting the, the, the bigger issues. Yeah. And Dean, Dean tells us, he says he worries his family is putting on a front because it's, it's gone so smoothly, you know, whereas some people Griffin and I were talking about, whereas some people would have been like, Oh, thank God. You know, my family is, is behaving in this acceptable way. Dean is like, not no. Comfortable. Well, where it breaks down is, um, Dean gets in a room with his dad and they're sitting down on the floor and, Dean's dad is talking about like, I'm just so proud of you. And you're such like a, you're such a strong, um, you're such a strong guy. And, um, to, you know, attract a, a woman like Rachel, like says a lot. And I'm just so proud of how you've grown. And, um, I guess that means I did a pretty good job raising you. And that is when Dean is like, do you though? Is, is that what you think? Like, I feel like that was the moment where Dean was like, hold on, let's actually get right down into it. Yeah. Dean and his dad, I guess have had some conversations in the past about Dean's frustration. Um, and his dad says, I didn't have those arguments. You did. This is, this is where I feel like we started to see the guy that, that Dean has kind of described of like that line really really stuck out to me we didn't have those arguments you did what do you what do you say what does that mean because it sounds fucking horrible he talks about um I, f- I forget everything he did but he was very evasive he he acknowledged that they had had conversations about how dean didn't think he was nurturing enough or present enough after um after his mom died well and he says dean says this this really powerful thing where he says in that moment when all that was happening, we could have come together as a family and we didn't. And he, Oh God, there's a, the part that like, I was on the verge of tears watching Dean. Cause like it was, it was, uh, uh, and I was, I got so fucking angry that this had to be happening on the, on, on the show. The, the part where Dean was like talking about when he found out that, his mom died. Do you remember when he was like, I remember everything. Like you were sitting there in the room and I was wearing this and it was this time of day. And you came into the room and said, your mom died 30 minutes ago. I remember everything about that moment. And then you like, weren't there for me after that. Like, yeah, it was unbelievable. It's unbelievable that like, this was, this was televised. Like it was heartbreaking. Yeah. And the conversation starts to, sour a little bit because Dean's dad is being like very evasive and like a little, little gaslighty a little bit. It felt like, yeah, um, Dean is expressing some of his frustrations with his dad and, and, his, and, not, and not in an aggressive way. I didn't feel like just no. in like a, here's how I feel. And his dad says, whatever you think of me is what you think of yourself. Um, so it's just, it's, it's this kind of language that, 
isn't exactly dismissive, but doesn't validate what Dean is saying. It's extremely fucking dismissive. He he also says like, and the the piece de resistance is like, oh, so I guess I didn't love you. Is that what you're saying? And he was like, no, of course you did. And I love you too. And this is when Dean's dad just like stands up and storms out of the room. Yeah. Dean says, you're so stubborn. You're not letting us deal with this and have this conversation. And, and his dad is really frustrated at this point and says, you've still got one foot stuck in the past. You still got one fucking foot stuck in the, like he, they, yeah. he, they start trading some, some, some cusses. So yeah. And then Dean's, leaves. Dean's dad says, Dean, this is important too. Like as Dean's dad is like leaving the house, Dean like says like, I love you. And like, that's not going to change. And his dad says, whatever. And leaves. And it was like, it went from zero to 60 to like, we're just going to put on this front to like, okay, that's the, that's the dude that yeah. Dean has been describing this whole time. And it was, man, it, I'm, I'm getting choked up, like talking about it right now. Cause it fucked me up. Like I, I, it, it reminds me that like, it's not that it's not a, when, when your family goes through something like that, like there's no default, there's no like, and then we came together and everything was great. Like, everyone changes when shit like that happens and when those changes send you off in like different ways and people aren't like there to help everybody else with their changes this is this this is what happens and yet it feels like this family and dean's dad is just trying to like muscle through it without like acknowledging what really happened like there were there were there were so many things exposed here that were so painful and so real and as much as i appreciate this show like getting into real relatable shit this felt like way too far like this these these i i I, like again i know i've said this a hundred times like it felt irresponsible for this confrontation to be happening on on television i don't i don't know how to say this I mean, clearly they put Dean in a situation where this confrontation was kind of forced. But the conversation that was had was clearly motivated by real feelings and honesty. Yeah, sure. You know, so I I understand that it feels exploitative. I'm not saying they exploited Dean to make him have this conversation. I'm saying that, like, like, this is an episode that people are going to, like, talk about and, like... Uh, ABC is going to like inherently profit off of it. Like it's their show and they sell ads against it. And this show need, this show is a furnace that burns drama. It is an engine that burns drama to go. And this drama that they used for this episode, it it didn't feel like it should be theirs. Like it just didn't feel like it should be theirs. No, I do see what you're saying. I mean, I think the argument I'm making is that reality television is kind of structured for these moments. Yeah. Um, and they cast people with powerful stories in the hopes that these moments will happen. Um, and if you have people like Dean, who seem to be very strong and very honest, it's more likely... And there are a lot of people that watch this episode and are better because of it, you know? So I maybe, I, yeah, I see that. I, I guess I see what you're saying. It feels, it feels like we got a window into something that 
we shouldn't have been able to see and now it feels weird that we've seen it and that we're talking about it on a podcast well let's 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 also frame it bookend it with this and like this is kind of a spoiler but whatever we're an hour 15 in dean goes home this episode and that's the piece that's just like thanks for the thanks for the drama yeah but now we got the we got the story we got yeah. the footage get the fuck out of here yeah it's it it I, I it's I get what you're saying like I and I I agree somewhat like I think there's people who see this and it's cathartic and there are people who see this and ha- are are better because of it but I I feel like the cost for Dean and his family is like I don't know yeah too too high so I should just say really quick Rachel tries to talk to Dean's dad um, as he exits the house and his dad is still upset and very resistant um, but walks with her to the f- bonfire um and says that dean is an incredible man and in some ways your relationship with me will be through him um so i wish you blessings if it goes further uh you're more than welcome to come back and then he kind of he kind of recognizes that he just like doesn't want to participate in this conversation anymore uh and rachel's trying to say you know dean and i have something special uh, and I just want you to know that. And he says, I honor that. I honor the whole thing. Um, and then walks away from her. Uh, so Rachel goes back inside. Um, Dean is is still very upset and says it's all kind of coming together at once. And it's really hard for me. And then he says that he is falling in love with Rachel. And Rachel says that she is falling in love with him, too. And that's the end of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have a couple articles about the Bachelor in Paradise ad. Do we want to talk about that now? Or let's finish the, let's do the rose ceremony. We'll talk about that fucking shitty ad and then we'll let you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so we go to Dallas, which is Rachel's hometown. Uh, and she meets with Chris Harrison before the rose ceremony. Um, and Chris Harrison and her talk about the week. Uh, and she kind of runs down all of the men uh, and says that she has kind of a new energy with Eric, uh, but that he's never been in love before. And that gives her pause. Uh, and that she was excited that Brian said he was in love with her. Uh, and Peter is still the most reserved and she's worried that he's not ready. And uh, with Dean, that she's been able to go much deeper. Uh, and then she, Chris is talking to her about making the decision and that's when she starts to get emotional and she says, Oh gosh, here they come. And she starts crying. (laughs) Uh, And Chris says, it's, it's okay to struggle. And Rachel says, I just feel so selfish making these decisions. Uh, And then it's time for the rose ceremony. And we thought Eric was going to go home. Yeah, I knew. I mean, I think final two is Peter Bryan, right? Because we saw the clip of Bryan eating. Yeah. I know a lot of people in the Rose Buddies group were like, "All right, Bryan." And gone, when she and told no. Dean that she was falling in love, yeah, with him. okay, yeah. Did we talk? We did talk about that. Um, and it just didn't feel like she could send Dean home after this, but she does, yeah. and. Their send-off is very surprisingly dry. Yeah, Dean's really confused because he's totally caught off guard by this. And she says, I just, I wonder if you're really ready for the things that I'm ready for. And he's like, you know, I said that I was falling in love with you. I meant that. 
Um, and I thought you meant it when you yeah. said it back. And she said that she meant everything she said. It's also she never says, and like, not that this is why this was not, not that this was her motivation, but I just expect her to say it at some point, like, this isn't because of your 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 family. This is, but like, she never really said that. And that was kind of weird. And then like, just Dean gets in a limo and drives off. And he's like, I'm really confused. And I'm really upset. And I think she made a mistake. End of episode. Like, I don't yeah. know. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe he was just like shocked and... That's why it was so dry. Okay, so there were two, uh, well, it was the same ad for Bachelor in Paradise, and they ran it twice in, like, the back hour of the show, and I can't, I can't believe it. Like, it showed, like, open up on a stormy sky, and it says, you thought that the Paradise was lost, and then it shows, like, tweets from people, like, oh, no, Bachelor in Paradise canceled? Oh, no. Oh, no, I'm so sad. I'm depressed. What am I supposed to do this summer? Summer's canceled. Uh, and then it says like, but a ray of sunshine off the, and then it shows tweets from people saying like, oh, it's back, it's back. And the whole time, like, you're seeing some uh, clips of, I guess the new, the new cast. It, it was very confusing. Like, yeah, there's like a clip Iggy, of Iggy. Iggy was in the mix and it was like, how did, when would that, okay. Um, and then a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of that, like, bip tone shit of, like, a parrot, like, shitting into somebody's Crocs <laughs> and, like, a crab, like, crawling into a woman's open mouth as, like, a clown farts a hundred feet away. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? That, yes. like, uh-oh, there's, like, a, a crab crawling around a margarita glass what and it falls off. What a show we have. Yeah, look at this zany show framed with this, you thought it was gone. It was almost lost. Paradise was almost lost, but now it's found. Yeah, like, um, isn't it miraculous and wonderful that our show is going to be on? They they said it wasn't, and now it is. It fucking sucks. It is, and, and I do not envy the person that has to advertise Bachelor in Paradise now, but, like, this is the worst imaginable. It feels like the worst imaginable. It feels like it's, like, going for the people who, when this show got canceled, just completely ignored the allegations surrounding that cancellation and were just just bummed that their show was gone. And it's just fucking targeting those people. Um, like, hey, we need your guys' help to help us push through this thing and pretend like it never happened. Yeah. That's how it felt like to me. Like it was almost gone. Yeah. You know why? (laughs) You know why it was almost gone though, dude? Yeah. It reminds me of like a little kid that apologizes because he gets in trouble. And then you realize very soon after that he was never actually sorry. He just apologized because he got caught. Like that's what it felt. Or like. to like play off that like bad thing that they did wrong. They like joke about it to their friends later. Like that's what it felt like a fucking joke. Yeah. And considering how like completely non-transparent they have been about all of the all all of the things that happened um last I guess last month it it is astonishing to me that they are taking on this tack. Like and I guess I shouldn't be surprised by this shit anymore, but it it's still like 
it laid me out low, man. I can't I can't believe that's the direction they're going. Yeah, the the tone the tone just felt really strange. Like it's one thing to pretend like it never happened, but what they seem to be doing with that ad is turning it into like this triumph story of like, look what we've overcome and here we are and we're going to present you with the show you want. Without, yeah. Anyway, uh, here's a Jezebel article. This promo is all you need to know about how The Bachelor in Paradise will handle misconduct allegation from uh, Kate Drees, who says, "Uh, I'd love to say I have no idea what ABC is thinking by airing this promo for the forthcoming season of their show, which seems to treat the sexual misconduct allegations that shut it down like some sort of joke. But we have a good idea because an internal investigation dismissed the charges and because the two players involved will be returning to the show, however, briefly, I think they're going to be on the reunion episode. I know Corinne is. I don't actually know. I know Corinne is going to be on the reunion episode, which like I, uh, and and I guess Demario is too. Um, uh, because the two players involved would be returning to the show, however briefly, they seem to think the best way to promote the season is with the same lighthearted tone they promoted all others. It does not bode well, nor does it uh, indicate they've taken much responsibility in terms of the environment being created and the education the staff receives, or that the information will truly be imparted to the audience in a clear, productive way. Um, one more article from uh, Vox, uh, Bachelor in Paradise's new promo turned sexual assault allegations into playful drama from uh, Carolyn Frampke. Um, uh, nowhere does this promo demonstrate that anyone involved in the show understands the gravity of the season being shut down to investigate claims of sexual assault or the complex questions that subsequently arose about producer responsibility and drunken drama as a reality show staple. I don't envy the marketing team that had to figure out how to package Bachelor in, Parad- in Paradise's fourth season, um, but I don't think glossing over the messy realities of what unfolded was quite the way to do it. In fact, it only confirms the suspicions held by many that Bachelor in Paradise and other reality shows like it don't understand the series seriousness of claims like the ones that shut down the set uh, in the first place, nor do they care to if they can simply weather any controversy and move on. Yep. That's yeah. what they're doing. Fucking like we guaranteed. got, we, you know, we got away with it. We're coming back. I, I and I think, I, I, I don't even know if they think they got away with it. I think that they know that like this whole they, I, this is going to be a season of fucking primetime television like this, like this ad that is just like, let's just get through this fucking thing and show a bunch of crabs being picked up by seagulls and dropped in some dude's hair and just have for a season of television and just heads down all seagull shit and don't fucking sweat it. it I, it's It's going to be a miserable yeah uh, for folks who watch it like yeah. uh, unless you completely turn off that part of your brain like i don't understand how this isn't just going to be like a wow you guys are really just going to try to power through this one huh yeah as as a reminder we will not be covering bachelor in paradise yeah no sh- no shit like um largely because of stuff like this like i this is fucking super, super, super gross. I, yeah, I can't imagine trying to make jokes and recapping this season. Yeah, I have no interest. I have no, I've, I have no interest in watching it. So, like, I don't know why anybody would want to listen to us talk about it. Um, yeah, it stinks on ice. We got 
I guess two more episodes proper of the Bachelorette, and then well, we'll have the the Mentel Mentel all, and then the finale. So we're almost done. Uh, I guess Bachelor in Paradise starts August, August. like eleventh or some at some point. So like we've we're like right up against it. We're like three weeks away, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we're almost done. I'm gonna. It's been like there was some definite dog shit this season, but like I'm gonna miss Rachel. She's been so good. Yeah, I and a lot of the dudes are so good at this rose ceremony. Like, um, I knew Brian wasn't gonna go home, but I was like sad about the idea of Brian or Dean or Eric taking off. You were sad about Brian, really? Oh no, Peter. Okay, there we go. That's all I got. Yeah, I guess it's pretty late. <laughs> it's tough when we have to stop in the middle because our baby woke up. We lose a, we lose a lot of of that what they call um in sports that mo. We lost that mo. Is that the aggro crag? Yeah, that's the aggro crag. And so <laughs> when he says, let's take it to the leaderboards mo, and then the aggro crag would animate. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Rose Buddies. Thank you. We'll be in it back next time. There's no more stuff to talk about. Till next time, I'm Griffin. I'm Rachel. Oh, you're right. Final Rose. Stay with us on this journey of joy. Spoiler alert. She ends up with Soldier Boy. Right, Reese's. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Following the news is hard and it sucks. How do you know which stories are important? Which sources do you trust in this post-truth world of reactionary journalism? I'm Brett Black. And I'm Travis McElroy. And we host a podcast called Trends Like These. We cover trending news stories. We debunk misleading clickbait headlines. And we always try to throw in a little bit of good news. In our quest for truth. So join us every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found.